If you brought your Bible this morning, I want to uh, go over to Matthew chapter number 25, and uh, we'll start there. Where we'll end up, yea, no man knoweth. <laughs> but um, I was, I spent a week suffering for Jesus in the mountains of Montana. <laughs> and uh, thank you, thank you. I'll give you this too, if you don't mind. And uh, just suffering, just having a hard time enjoying the river, enjoying a few things. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Anyway, through uh, some real good discussions around the Word, I got really stirred about something. The Lord spoke to me whenever He called me to the ministry back in, uh, I, was, I was 10 years, well, let's see, actually, it's probably about 8 years old. He called me and said, uh, in a dream, I've shared it with you before, but He said, go tell my people I'm coming soon. And that was the, the call to my life. And uh, then whenever, you know, we, we went to Bible school, went to Raymond and uh, began helping in the healing center and then the traveling ministry started and so forth and we traveled for a while and then the Lord called us to come here and pastor and he said to me when he called me to pastor he said that which I said to you before I say to you again go tell my people I'm coming soon but then he added something to it and uh, it's interesting that he added this as a pastor he said go tell my people that which I said before I tell you again go tell my people I'm coming soon but then he said tell them to get ready well, that means not everybody's just automatically ready just because they're his people. <laughs> right? Tell them to get ready. So, um, you know, in some of the discussions I was able to have recently about some of this, I got all stirred up about a particular parable Jesus gave concerning his return. Would it be all right if we look at that? I mean, the more I, uh, I look at the Scriptures and then, and then just look around a little bit, I mean, things are, the prophecies I'm talking about are quickly being fulfilled all around us. All right, praise the Lord. Um, and so, boy, I don't know when it's going to be. Jesus doesn't even know. The Bible said angels don't know. The Bible said that uh, God's people, no man knows when that day or hour is going to be where Jesus is going to come back. Um, so, you know, I don't know if it's going to be by the end of this service. I don't know if it's going to be three more years. Um, I don't set dates. How many of you know that everybody set dates has been wrong? I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> but boy, I'm telling you, a lot of things are being, uh, a lot of things are lining up with the scriptures. Israel becoming a nation again. And then Jesus said that generation won't pass away. I mean, if you say, and different people say different things, different people say 40 years, whatever. But if you say generation 70 or 80 years, we're right up there. It could be any time. Uh, the feast days and all the fulfillment of the feast days where Jesus came the first time and all those things happened, the day of Pentecost, his death, burial, and resurrection, those all happened on particular feast days. And the next one is the, is the feast of trumpets that's to happen if you see all those things were types and shadows of of this dispensation and the and the, and the things of you know Jesus coming and, and and coming again so forth those things are all lining up and uh you know I just kind of was uh keeping my antenna up this weekend because this is the feast of trumpets this past few days which is where Jesus is going to come back amen you say, you really believe it's that close? Yeah, and therefore, I believe we better be talking about it a little bit more. So we're going to talk a little bit about this. We've shared much about this from Matthew 24. Um, Matthew 24 is the great end time, well, one of the great end time chapters. Jesus said so much in this chapter, we could never get into it all. They asked him about the signs of his coming, you know, down there in verse number 3. Uh, tell us what shall be, uh, when these things shall be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world and Jesus the very first thing he said in verse number 4 is see no man deceive you deception is running rampant in the hours we live in people are confused they don't know what gender they are they don't know, they don't know up from down right from long left from right and, and they, they have supernatural help to be that stupid you know, not, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about demon spirits are confusing people. People are yielding to it, and uh, they're turn, being turned over to a reprobate mind. It's just becoming absolutely, uh, you know, amazing how simple things that used to be easily understood. Not trying to get vulgar, but just stand in the shower and, and look, man, you're not a, you're, you are what you are. You know what I'm talking about. So anyway, I won't, but... 
So, but, but Jesus said some of these things. Now, all through the 24th chapter, um, he, he says so much, and we don't have time. He talked about the signs and so forth. You can see so many of these signs. Uh, but look at chapter number 25, because I want to spend some time in chapter 25 today, if that's all right. In Matthew 25, let's just read this, verses 1 through 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven, now notice that then, <clears throat> then. Jesus had just finished, <clears throat> excuse me, he had just finished talking about the end times and his return. And he's not done talking about it because he started chapter 25 saying, then shall the kingdom of heaven be like. And so he's talking about, uh, he's referring to the subject of chapter 24. He's not done with that subject. In other words, he's talking about the time right before his coming and then at his coming. And at that time, he said, the kingdom of heaven will be like unto ten virgins, uh, which took their lamps uh, and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Now, Jesus is the bridegroom. How many of you know uh, we're getting ready to the very next event after the rapture, uh, the main event for the church, I should say, after the rapture, is the, is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And so Jesus is the bridegroom. We're going to get into this a little bit. And he said, this parable is talking about this. He said, it's like unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. Then they which, uh, were, then they were, uh, that, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, how many of you know he has tarried? Yeah. They all slumbered and slept. That's happened in a lot of circles today, spiritually. I'm not talking about natural, I'm talking about spiritual. At midnight, there was a cry made. Now, midnight is the darkest hour. How many of you know the Bible prophesies of Isaiah 60 is? It talks about, uh, rise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. And then he talks about the earth. There'll be gross darkness that comes on the earth. Gross darkness is thick darkness. And it's getting darker and darker in the world. It's getting brighter and brighter in the church, the true people of God. The true people of God. I'm not talking about people that play in church. I'm talking about the true people of God. It's getting brighter and brighter. For me, my path, because the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. But in the world, it's getting darker and darker. And the darkness persecutes the light because the light convicts the darkness. That's why you're now bad people. I'm talking about what they think. I'm not talking about you are bad, bad people. I'm talking about the world now thinks you're the enemy. And they'll be just fine at the rapture that you left. You know what I'm talking about? Because the, 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 that's holding them back. The light we walk in holds them back. Uh, and so forth. There's a lot there. But um, then, so, then uh, the bridegroom cometh. Let's see, let's see where we are here. Verse number 6. At midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Say it out loud. Trim their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. Or if you really look at the margin, they are going out. They hadn't gone out quite yet, but they're going out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. You might want to underline that. The door was shut. There's coming a shut door. I'm not talking about nobody gets saved in the tribulation because this is all talking about the rapture and the church getting out of here, uh, going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to go through some scriptures. But um, there's coming a time uh, that, that the door is going to be shut. Now, look at what it says here. Verse 11, Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Those who went by, by oil, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. And look at this. What's the whole point of this parable? Uh, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Say it out loud. The point is, watch. In other words, like Jesus said in other places, watch and, and pray or, or be ready. Remember, Jesus said, you know not, be ready, because you know not when the Son of Man cometh. Amen? We've got to do more preaching on the return of Jesus. Number one, because he told me to when he called me. Number two, because it's so close. I believe it was Jesse Duplantis said that he had an experience. He was caught up to heaven. Some of you heard that. And he said, the Lord told him, the reason I gave you this is I want you to tell my people that to get ready. I'm coming soon, or something to that effect. I don't know the exact words. And Jesse sort of... Uh, 
resisted and said, they know that. And he said, fire shot out of Jesus' eyes. He said, they do not. How many of you know you can tell what, what you're ready for by how you live? So we've got to do some more preaching on this. There's some great lessons for those of us that are preparing for Jesus' return. There's some great lessons for us coming. Um, uh, there's, there's some great lessons for us here in these last days about getting ready. Amen. I'm telling you, it's getting dark out there. The deceptions are abounding, like Jesus said. And so what are we supposed to do about it? Well, look at here. He said, uh, we're, to have, we're, to have, we're to be ready by having oil in our lamps. We're to be ready by having our wicks trimmed, our lamps trimmed. Right? And we're not to be slumbering spiritually. Isn't that what he said? Now, um, don't think this parable doesn't have anything to do with what he had said in the 24th chapter. Jesus is still talking about his return. And so um, we, we've got to look at this. I've never studied this, never spent a lot of time in it. But through discussing some things with others and looking at this, I realized that God had some answers for me and answers for what he told me to do. Tell my people I'm coming soon. Tell them to get ready. He had some answers of what that actually means in this passage. So I got to looking at it. And I want to share it with you this morning, if that's all right. The main point is watch and be ready. Isn't that what the verse 13 says? In other words, be ready or prepared for when Jesus comes because we don't know when he's coming. We don't know exactly. Jesus himself said he didn't know, right? Uh, and so that's in Mark uh, 13, 32 also, uh, that Jesus, God, I mean, God knows, but Jesus doesn't know. Uh, the angels don't know and no man knows. So it's in the heart of God, right? Uh, and so... With all that information, we've got to live like, we've got to live ready, but to live ready, we've got to know what ready looks like. I mean, does ready mean you have your grass mowed, your bills are all paid, you know, the laundry's done, like you'd get ready to go on a natural trip? No, that's just natural stuff. Ready, if you re look at, we won't go to all these verses, I'll just refer to a couple of them. Uh, but uh, Luke chapter number 1, verse number 17, actually gives us a little information about what ready looks like. He said that in the first coming of Jesus, there was this, the, the, John the Baptist and the spirit of Elijah went before Jesus saying, uh, you know, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his way straight, and so forth. And the verse, uh, Luke 1, 17 says in the Amplified, he's come, he comes to make ready a people prepared in spirit. The Amplified, prepared in spirit. So it's, there is a natural side to this preparation, but this natural preparation it all, that we make for Jesus returning, it's, it comes from the inside. It comes in our, to, to things that we get ready for in our spirits. Can you say amen? Now, some people have said this parable is, is about the Jews. Well, there's too many, there's too many things that don't work with that. This is about the church. Um, think about some of these things. 2 Corinthians says, chapter 11, verse 2. I'm just going to read some of these things. For I am, Paul's writing to the church at, at, at Corinth. I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. I have espoused you to one husband, espoused. Say espoused. We would say engaged. I have engaged you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So when he says, talks about the ten virgins over here, he's talking about those that are pure and waiting for the bridegroom coming. All right, so I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. So uh, we are the church. We as the church are the bride of Christ. There's been people that said the book of Revelation, chapter number 19, says the new Jerusalem is the bride of Christ. That's uh, not in line with other scriptures. The new Jerusalem is the wedding gift to Jesus' bride. Amen. You already have an engagement gift. Jesus is already engaged to you. You are, you are engaged and you're going to a marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Once the rapture takes place, you're going to be at a big, big marriage ceremony. And we will become uh, the, the, the married bride of Christ. And then he'll give us the new Jerusalem as a wedding gift. We already have an engagement gift. It's called the seal of the Holy Ghost. That's your engagement gift. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, Jesus is a giver. 
Hallelujah. So, um, so we are, uh, according to the scriptures, he's coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle. How many of you know Ephesians 5, 26 and 27 talks about it? And that, that bride without spot or wrinkle is a bride who has prepared herself to meet him at his coming. How many of you guys, when, you, uh, when your uh, bride-to-be came walking down the aisle, you didn't expect her to be all dirty because she was out working somewhere, wearing shorts and just all hair all messed up, makeup's not on. You expect her to be adorned to the hilt. Right? And Jesus is coming not for a dirty, filthy, come on, bride, but for one that's been washed in the water of the word and is adorned hallelujah adorned with the glory adorned with the with the fullness of god oh i thought you'd shout louder on that one so uh, we're the bride of Christ. That's in John 3, 29. John the Baptist talked about it. Revelation 22 talks about it. Ephesians, that passage we just looked at, talks about it all through. He talks about the bride of Christ. <clears throat> and so, uh, so Jesus has uh, given us the engagement gift. It's called the seal of the Holy Ghost. It's in 2 Corinthians 1, 22. He also has sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Ephesians 1, 3 says the same thing. Ephesians 4, 30 says the same thing. You're, 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 you got an engagement gift. Praise, don't be ashamed of your engagement gift. Oh, I could work with that one for a while. People are putting the Holy Ghost in the back room. No, my, my, my bridegroom has given me this. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of him, right? And so uh, we read that, that uh, this engagement gift is to his fiancée, and uh, you, you, we would use that term today anyway. And so that's him promising to marry us. Anybody ever get, any of you ladies get an engagement ring promising to marry you? Praise the Lord. Revelation 19, 7 through 9. Revelation 19, 7 through 9. Uh, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself what? Ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. He has said unto, and he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, Lord Jesus. And so he had said, and he said unto me, this is the true, or or excuse me, these are the true sayings of God. Hallelujah. So um, Jesus is the bridegroom. He's coming for his church. He's catching us away to to, uh, have a, go to, go into the marriage ceremony. Now, back here to Matthew 13, excuse me, uh, uh, 23. What did I say? 25. Um, The main lesson in this uh, parable of the virgins is to live watchful and ready. Right? So tell your neighbor, you need to get ready. What does that mean? Well, 2 Peter 3, 8, 3, 11 says, Seeing that all these things uh, must be dissolved, that's actually after we leave. What manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? So getting ready means living clean. Included there, includes that. Verse 14 of that same passage says, Beloved, seeing that you are looking for such things, talking about the return of Jesus, be diligent that you may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. That's another verse talking about living clean. Verse 17 goes on, talks about wrong doctrine, purging yourself from wrong doctrine. Seeing that we uh, see uh, that you. Seeing ye know these things before, in other words, what's coming, the rapture, behold, be, beware lest at ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, being led into wrong doctrines. People in wrong doctrines won't be ready to meet him. I didn't say they won't go. I said they won't be ready. They're going to be ashamed. You look at 1 John chapter, I'm just giving you a lot of scriptures, I'm not going to turn to them all, but 1 John 2, 28 talks about uh, abide, he says, abide in him that when he, may, that when he appears, you may be confident and not be ashamed before him at his coming. That verse is not saying a person won't go. 
I don't know that everybody goes. I cannot stand here today and say 100% confidently that everyone born again goes in the rapture. Now, I can't confidently say that everyone that's born again doesn't go in the rapture. But after 38 years of studying the Word, not being able to tell for sure, if everybody that's born again goes in the rapture tells me, I better not live too close to that line. Well, you can take scriptures on this side, and I can see your point, and many scriptures, but you can take scriptures on the other side, and I can see your point. Whatever I need to do to be ready, I want to do everything I need to do to be ready. I don't want to live too close to where I got in at. You know what I'm talking about? I just want to keep on going on with God, doing all of His will, living right, living clean, you know, and all being watchful, prayerful, like the, you know, second, or 1 Peter 4, 7 talks about, be sober, be watchful, be, be, uh, be alert spiritually, pay attention to your spiritual condition. You know, we pay attention to our natural hygiene. Let's take, pay attention to our spiritual hygiene. Pay attention to our thought life. Pay attention to what our affections are on. Amen. Pay attention to what's first in our life. Oh, we, ne- we left preaching and went to meddling now. <laughs> no, that's the word. Oh, that's the word. Pay attention to the, getting, not being overcome by the cares of life. Right? Pay attention to wrong thinking, wrong doctrines. Extreme, extreme things. Amen. That, uh, that we'll be ashamed of when we stand before him. Like he said there in 1 John 2, 28. So with all that in mind, what kind of lifestyle should we be living if Jesus was coming this afternoon? What kind of lifestyle should we be living? Amen. But notice the, the big thing here that he mentions, and there's a lot to this. We've shared some things in the past. But the thing he mentioned here is trimming your lamps and having oil. Can we look at that before we go? Or before we party? <laughs> trimming your lamps. All right, so can we look at that a little bit? Like we said, uh, the spirit, well, I didn't mention it yet today, but Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the candle, or many translations say the lamp of the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle or lamp of the Lord. And so when he says trim your lamps, he's talking about tending to your spiritual condition. Tending to your spirit. Watching over what gets in it. Right? Amen. We need to work with this a little bit because there's, there's many things God has begun to share with me about this. And so um, we know, we just quoted Luke 1, 17, that the, in the last days, the anointing of the Spirit on the church and some leaders will be to prepare people in spirit. Yes. Get them ready in their spirit being. Get them ready in their heart. How many of you know when you were born again, your spirit was recreated? It it was not trimmed. This verse says, trim your lamps. Right? Right? When you were born again, your spirit was not trimmed. It was recreated. You were born a brand new creation in the image of God. You have the nature and life of God. You were translated out of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Right? That's not what he's talking about here. Uh, when you were born again, uh, the Bible said, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Right? Uh, that was something God did. What he's talking about here when he says, trim your lamps, is not something God does. It's something we do. In other words, God recreated our nature, gave us a brand new spirit. In, 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 the Bible said we were created in righteousness and true holiness. How many of you know that new creation didn't have a sin in it, didn't have a sin nature in it? It was clean, it was pure, and the Holy Spirit came into your spirit to do that. That's, it was Him that came in to recreate your spirit. And he, he didn't just come and leave, He stayed there. In other words, the oil's there. Here He talks about these, these people ran out of oil, right? And so the oil, when you were born again, came into your spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you've got to recognize that. But, but, and he's still there. But you've got to recognize that condition of your spirit has to be maintained. Yes. Yes. Thing, the, the condition of your spirit is not static. No, you can start out on fire. You've got to glow to you spiritually. You love Jesus. He's first. Everything else is second by a long shot. And you're all in. But as you go, things can begin to contaminate that. 
you know, the, the uh, par parallel here, you know, we, they didn't have light bulbs back then. You realize in this day, we don't maybe think about what he's talking about here. So let's, let's give a little history here. Before the light bulb was invented, they had lamps. Many times oil, the, the lamps burnt oil, right? Sometimes kerosene, different things as, as industry developed different products. But, but back then it was just oil like, you know, you've heard of Eskimos using whale blubber or something like that. And they would put a, they, they would uh, have that oil in a bowl and, and through a little slot in that container, there was a wick that came up. It was, the wick was down in the oil and it came up through that slot and you would bring it up just enough to be able to light that because that, that wick would draw up the oil out of the, uh, the container, the, the lamp, it was called the lamp, and it would, uh, that wick, I don't know if it was made out of cotton or whatever it was made out of, but that oil would come up and you could light that on the top and it would just keep on burning, yeah. right? And that was how they lit rooms. They didn't have light bulbs back then. And so when he said they, they awoke and trimmed their lamps, He's talking about the fact that those, those lamps, those oil, oil lamps, the old time lamps, they needed to, it wasn't uh, something that didn't need to be maintained. Number one, you had to keep filling it with oil, right? Number two, you had to uh, maintain the wick because the wick would burn. And I don't know if you ever, I grew up, my mom had some of these. That we, I don't know, we just kind of used them from time to time just for the nostalgia of it on, on kind of special times or whatever. And that wick would burn. You know, we don't do it too much because of the fire hazard today, right? But that wick would burn. And if you let that thing burn for a while, eventually across the top of that, it would get charred. And it would sort of, the more that thing got charred, the, the lower the flame would go. And so you would have to, from time to time, you know, put the, put the, put the light out and you'd have to trim the wick because eventually the light's not going to, that, that charred end there is not, is going to sort of inhibit or, or limit the flow or the amount of oil flowing up through into the flame. You're getting what, what he's talking about here. So you'd have to trim the wick. And I'm telling you, when mom would trim the wick, because that thing would go low, you'd trim the wick, and then you'd turn it up a little bit more and light it again. All of a sudden, it's three, four times brighter than it was before you trim the wick. And he's saying, your spirit is like that. I said, amen. I said, your spirit's like that, that the, the glow can, can die down. You know what I'm talking about? Because, because of different things that start getting into your life. Can I work with this just a little bit? So um, the, uh, the oil needs to be continually replenished, and the wick needs to be trimmed, and, uh, and, and uh, the, the, the whole lamp needs to be maintained. So he's saying, I created a, a brand new creation, but that, that new, new nature has to be maintained. Now, that's, that's revealed all through the scriptures, if we had time. That's what Proverbs 4 is all about. Attend to my word. You know, that's, that's, that's guarding the, remember he ended up saying, guard your heart. In other words, there's things that can get in. Anybody ever met a Christian who's on fire for God, but they let offense get in? Unforgiveness get in? Or other things became more important and they got distracted or, or they started loving something else more than God. And they, they're not glowing too much spiritually. They're not on fire for God like they once were. Poke your neighbor and say, he really is preaching better than your amen. And, amen. And they get used to that dim light. And they don't understand spiritual things like they used to. Right? They seem to be, that opens the door for confusion in their life. And they begin to think wrong and think strange and open to wrong doctrines and open to deception and open to confusion. They start going wrong directions and putting wrong things first and marrying the wrong person and getting off track. And You know what I'm talking about? Well, praise the Lord. So um, that's, a, that's the human spirit he's talking about. So we've got to understand God has a part in some of this and we have a part. Um, we're not talking about something contaminating you from the inside. Your spirit's brand new, created in the image and nature of God. We're talking about the things of the world. 
Come on. The, the, the influence of the prince of the power of the air that makes everybody think a certain way about certain Bible things, getting into your heart and mind, right? Uh, we're talking about all those kinds of things. Amen. Affections for other things, cares of life. Anybody ever found somebody that the cares of life just got them all distracted? You might have looked in the mirror one time and found yourself. Right? So we got to guard against those things getting on the inside. I've met people that unforgiveness and offense got in. Boy, and their light went out. In fact, their, their face doesn't even look like the same person. I've, I've met people like that. You had to look at them twice. Oh, my goodness, that's so-and-so. They used to have such a radiance on their face. Amen. They were glowing with the Spirit, enjoying the blessings of God, talking about how good the church service is and, and how good the pastor preaches. But something got in, and now all of a sudden, the pastor isn't no good anymore. He doesn't preach good anymore. It wasn't the pastor. I've been living with him. He's still doing all right. No, I'm just it was them. Offense got in. Amen. So, um, to trim your, your lamp means to tend to the affairs of your spirit. Watch over what's getting on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. So um, go over to Romans 12, verse number 11. Romans 12, verse number 11. There's several things mentioned here. Romans chapter 12. I want you to see this one. He said, uh, there's a lot, lot here we won't get into. He even mentions uh, returning good for evil later here you know, down verse 17 and so forth. He's just talking about things not getting inside of you like unforgiveness and so forth. When people do you wrong. Anybody ever had somebody do you wrong? <clears throat> Look at verse number 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Say that out loud. Excuse me, fervent in spirit. Hallelujah. Listen to some other translations. The century translation says, be aglow in spirit. Weymouth, have your spirits aglow. This sounds like the lamp of the Lord, doesn't it? Good speed. Be on fire with the Spirit. Revised Standard Version, be aglow with the Spirit. Amplified, be glowing and burning with the Spirit. Here's my favorite, Moffat's. Maintain the spiritual glow. Woo, glory. Hallelujah. Putting that all together, he's talking about our spirits being on fire with the Holy Spirit. Being on fire. On fire for God. Amen. Not, not, not glowing low because of disappointments. People treated us wrong and now we're all bitter about it. See, we've got to, we've got to guard our hearts and, and make sure these things don't get in us. I've been, I've been around before. I remember people, a couple, the whole family really, but this one man in particular, he was, they were all part of the church. And, uh, you know, I just hadn't seen him for a while. One day I saw him and I said, how are you doing? And, and he said something about y'all down there at the church. Well, how many of you know when you're talking about, you used to go here, but when you're, you, you start talking about y'all down there at the church? You know, you, you're not identifying yourself anymore as part of this church. You lost the glow. Yes. Well, praise the Lord. And so he's talking about being on fire. It's written in such a way also that it's our responsibility here, isn't it? Maintain the spiritual glow. That's not God's responsibility. So there's times you've got to trim your wick. There's times you've got to get refilled with the Holy Ghost. Be not drunk with wine wearing his excess, but be being continually filled over and over again with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you're burning and, the, and it's getting used up. So you need to get more and fill up again. Fill up again. Fill up again. You had a hard week. Go get drunk. Go get full of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about on the Spirit, not on alcohol. Alcohol is a cheap substitute for what God intended to, to get, get, you know, get you over, the, <laughs> get you through your week, right? Now, how many of you know the moment that Jesus comes, like this, this parable tells us here, the moment that Jesus comes is not the time to get oil. 
It's not the time to trim your wick. Amen. Now is the time to maintain the glow. Praise God. It's too light, too late to try to to uh, maintain the spiritual glow whenever, whenever Jesus has already come. I don't know if you've noticed the Bible or not, but when Jesus comes, it all happens in a moment yes. in the twinkling of an eye. That's right. Yes, sir. A mo- the twinkling of an eye is is small, minute part of a second. Yes. Somebody said one time, they looked it up in the definition, it means an atomic second. I mean, it's just, you can't even measure it hardly. Wow. That's not time to get, get ready. I mean, when that happens, it's either you're ready or you're not. It's, remember, remember uh, hide and seek? Ready or not, here I come, or whatever. <laughs> you're either ready or you're not ready. <laughs> Amen. The same thing's being, same thing's, uh, you know, true about being filled with, continuing with the Holy Ghost. There is a never-ending supply of oil for you and I. There's no use in any of us being empty or being without or not being aglow, not having the fire, not, uh, you know, none of us getting weary and lazy and tired and worn out. I don't believe in spiritual burnout. Spiritual burnout is just giving out with not taking in. Praise God. You just keep on taking in from the Word and from the Holy Spirit and fellowship with Him. See, you've got to have fellowship with God, not just, you know, this is not like, like if I'm called to the ministry. To, this is, to me, this is not my career. I don't take a week like I did last week just having a good time out in the country and just ignore God. We're talking about God the whole time. We're filling up. We're discussing the Word. We're excited about the Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't take vacations from God. This is a fellowship. This is a relationship with a good God. Hallelujah. Now let's talk about this maintain. You know, you can uh, be burning brightly with the Spirit in one period or phase of your life and then uh, that not last because you're not maintaining the glow. Right? And so you got to attend to your lamp. Um. Just having a spirit, which, which you are, you are a spirit. You don't really have a spirit, you are a spirit. But uh, just being a spirit doesn't mean you have the glow. The glow is dependent upon the oil. And being full of the oil. Amen. Praise the Lord. And if you get low, you can get refilled. That's what Ephesians 5 is all about. Be not drunk with wine. Be being. Be being. Be being. <laughs> There's times I just want to go home and go to bed. You've never been that way. Crawl up. Maybe get in a fetal position. Maybe just, maybe just cry a little bit. Right? But there's times I, I find myself there and I go, oh, yeah. I can tell I'm running low. And there's a source. There's a place. There's a, there's a way to get filled back up. And you wanted, to, you wanted to cry and have a pity party, but by the time you're full again, you're looking for the devil. Where's he at? Hallelujah. I'm telling you I'm having a good time this morning. This is a, a time for the people of God to shine. There's nothing like... There, there's no light that shines brighter than a light that's shining in the dark. There's a lot of darkness out there, but I'm telling you, it's just our time to shine. Remember, he said, arise, shine. Woo, turn up the wick. Woo, glory be to God. Now, not everybody's going to be happy about the glow. But go ahead and shine. Praise God. Keep your wick trimmed. Now, go over here. You're in Matthew 25 still. I had you go to Romans. Go to Matthew 25 again. Look at something he said in verse number 9 and 10. He said, then shall they, uh, let's see, that's, verse, that's chapter 24. Chapter 25, verse 9 and 10. But the wise the answer saying, not so, lest there be enough, not enough, excuse me, for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. Now, notice he said, buy oil. 
Now, how many of you know you don't earn this oil by purchasing it with money? But the point is not not uh, earning it. The point is pay the price. Pay the price. You understand what I'm talking about? There is a price that you have to pay to be in possession of obtaining and maintaining a spirit-filled life. Amen. You've got to obtain and maintain what is your own property and do it the only scriptural way that you could obtain it, and that is faith. Ephesians 5 is talking about be being filled. You do that by faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. It's how you purchase oil. Not earning it, you know what I mean, but it's how you receive it. Use your faith to, to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. We use our faith for healing. We use our faith for other things. Use your faith to be continually filled with the Spirit. How do you do that? Ephesians 5 goes on to say, you remember, be not drunk with wine, be continually filled. And then he says, speaking to yourself, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. See, what you're doing is you're drawing up down from the oil of the Holy Ghost on the inside, and you're drawing up. Right? And you're using your faith to, to tap into the spirit, of, the spirit of God on the inside of you and speak out by inspiration of prophecy the utterances of praise, worship, tongues. And they are all edification gifts for your own private edification. Prophecy is not just for church. Prophecy is for your prayer life. I don't mean predicting Russia is going to attack this, this. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm talking about edifying, speaking, in, it, speaking to yourselves. Speaking to yourself in, in, in psalms, hymns, and spiritual song, and, uh, and uh, like he said, prophecy is, is speaking unto men of edification, exhortation, and comfort. You can do that by drawing out of your spirit. Praise the Lord. I like being around people whenever, like, well, I'll tell off on somebody. I'll tell off. It's a good tell off. I have a group of guys that comes and washes my car on for me on Saturday. They bless me a lot. Thankful for them. But um, I like being, I've got, got a study above the garage. And when they come to get the cars, I can hear them downstairs. Now they all know, but they didn't know that before. <laughs> but I like hearing, I like listening to them. Some of them will come, thank you, Jesus. And they're working, and they're just praising God the whole time. I'm saying, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Got faith. Got faith. Faith to stay filled. Amen. I like being around people when they don't know I'm there. Just see if they're just doing that because the preacher's around or they're doing it for some other reason, you know, for their own spiritual edification. So pay the price. Hallelujah. Now, um, let's just finish this up. Would that be all right? Somebody said, um, who all goes in the rapture? It looks like the percentages here are kind of bad. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty much 50-50 in that parable. Five wise, five foolish. Five went in, five didn't go in. Well, we don't have time for that. <laughs> That's pretty bad percentages, right? <clears throat> I just know this, that if you're walking in all the light, you love God, you're walking in all the light you have. Even if you don't have much, if you're walking in all the light you have, your life is His and so forth and so on. Even though you might not know, I believe you're on safe ground right but if there are things that are tamping down the glow you know I have scriptures that can show you that you're going I have scriptures that could question whether or not you're going I'm not sure today which one it is but I'm not going to live very close to wherever that line is and I'm so thankful today that I'm not the one that decides that one right um I don't know why anybody would like to live as close to the line as they can. Because it's a blessing going into that marriage supper of the Lamb. It's a blessing. I could show you scriptures where he talks about, uh, you know, what is it, Galatians, uh, I don't, Galatians 5 talks about all these works of the flesh and so forth. He says, they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And he's talking to believers. You go, ooh. Right? 
Um, and then I can show you scriptures on the other side that in, the, in Ephesians 1, in the dispensation of the fullness of the time, he'll gather together all those in Christ. And you go, ah. Right? But then you go back over to Luke 21, and it says, uh, watch and pray that you be counted worthy to escape all these things that come on the earth. And you go, oh, you mean it's not automatic? I got to maintain my fellowship with God. Then you go to Revelation 3 where it talks about because you're a doer of the word. One church, well, he wrote this to one church. You're a doer of the word and you've kept the faith. So forth, he said, then, then I'll deliver you from the wrath that is to come in the tribulation. And you're like, whoo. It not, must not be automatic. It must have to be a doer of the word. So you could look at things on both sides. The point is, just go all out. And I don't believe that a man who fell into sin just because he fell into sin, won't go. But there is dangerous ground that if you're just don't care, you're just living that way and living in the flesh and you don't care, that's a woo. Someone said, which one is it, Pastor? I've been studying the Word for 38 years. Talked to many friends who have been studying the Word just as long as me, and we still discuss which side it is. So the point is, don't live close to the line. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I tend to believe anybody born again, anybody that's walking in all the light they have, they're all going, right? I mean, that's just the nature of God, right? He's not looking for perfection in the flesh. I mean, that just pretty much disqualifies all of us, right? Absolutely. <laughs> You can say amen because we know it's true. We just, we've been around you for about 20, 20 couple of years, you know. Right? Aren't you glad he's a merciful God? <laughs> I know you don't have to be perfect in the flesh. I'm not perfect in the flesh. Amen. About the time I thought I was, my wife reminds me of a few things. No, it's about just being all in, walking in all the light you have, staying as full as you know how to stay, obeying everything you know to, to do. I'm telling you, that's good ground. Amen. I said, that's safe ground. Well, did you get anything out of this this morning? Yes. Hallelujah. I don't want to stand before him. I, let me say this. That I know there's a lot of Christians. Well, let me rephrase it. I know there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians that are not born again. And they will not go. Automatically, we know that they will not go. But then those who are born again... I believe there's this category in 1 John 2, 28, uh, that, that they can stand before him all right. They're going to go, but they can stand before him one of two ways, ashamed or, con uh, excuse me, confident or ashamed. In other words, they're going to stand there. They went, but they're not ready to give an account for the way they've been living. That we can see in the Scriptures. But where that line is, is some of those other verses we just referred to about those that do these things won't inherit the kingdom of God. He's like, oh, yeah, where's that line? I'm glad you're not the judge. And I'm not your judge. I'm glad God's got that all sorted out. But I'm just going to walk in all the line I have. Amen. Because I'm going into that marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Anybody else going into that marriage supper of the Lamb? Praise the Lord. Now, there's a lot we could get into, but uh, just keep your light burning bright. Praise God. Trim your lamps. Cut off the flesh. Cut off things that, that you know, distract you from the plan of God. And be ready to go. Because it's close. It's getting closer. That's one thing we know for sure. Whether we know the day or the hour, we know it's closer today than it was last week. Praise the Lord. I just know I'm going on the first load. If you want to come up mid-trib, go ahead. We'll do what you want to do. But I'm going to go on the first load. Glory. Say amen. I'm going on the first load. First load out. All aboard. That's me. I'm getting in, man. I'm getting. Stand with me to your feet. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Anybody on fire for God in here? Don't put the light of the, the, don't put the candle out. Whatever comes up in your spirit that he illuminates your, your heart, he wants you to do. Walking over there and talking to somebody at Walmart or something. I mean, just walking all the light. Woo! Then you'll have confidence. When you hear, you know, you're going to go, woo, yeah, that's me. I'm going out of here. For those who don't know what that was, that was the trumpet that announced Jesus coming back. <laughs> Glory, he's coming. 
I said he's coming. Anybody ready in here? Got your, your lamps trimmed? Continually filled with the Holy Ghost? Praise the Lord. Father, we lift our hands and we're grateful. We're grateful for your word. Father, it blesses us. It helps us to know what you expect from us. Shows us your plan. Father, we're grateful for what is ahead for us. Lord, really, this earth is the only hell we'll ever experience. The best is ahead. This earth is the only heaven any unbeliever will ever experience. The worst is ahead. We thank you, Father, for the honor and privilege we have of knowing for sure that we're right with you. Lord, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that doesn't know for sure whether they're right with you, now's their opportunity, Father. I pray for them. Father, if they have let things get in, so to speak, let things distract them, so to speak. Father God, we thank you for drawing them back to that place where they have the assurance before you that they are ready to go, ready to go. Hallelujah. Say this out loud. Just all of us, let's say it. I believe there's some folks that have some things they want to get out. You know, to, to trim the wick means to cut some things off. There's some people I believe that have some things they need to cut out, cut off, crucify, so to speak. But let's all, to help them pray a prayer to get that done this morning, let's all just pray with them and help them mix our faith with them. Say this out loud, particularly if you really need it. There's some things in your life to cut off. Say this out loud, everyone together. Say, Dear Father God, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I see some things in my life that are hindering my glow. I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me for letting that in. I turn away from that. I cut that off. I, I crucify the flesh. I, cruci I, I move away from my own plans. Back to what I know your plan is for my life. Forgive me, I pray. You said if I confess my sin, you'd be faithful and just to cleanse me of my sin and uh, to, uh, you know, wash me in the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive that now. I'm trimming the wick in the name of Jesus. I'll serve you with all of my heart and I'll never go back to the world, to sin, to life in the flesh, doing my own thing. Thank you for washing me today, Jesus. I stand before you as if it never happened because of your faithfulness to your own blood. Hallelujah. Now just lift your hands and thank God for his forgiveness and cleansing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're grateful. Thank you, Father, for the purging of our conscience, the cleansing of that sense of guilt. Hallelujah. We say, Satan, you're under our feet again. You don't have any authority over our life again. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. As I was meditating on this, because I was, I was saying, Lord, help me to understand this from other things I've learned. And he said, it's the same thing as John 15. Remember, abide in me and the branches bring forth fruit. If it doesn't bring forth fruit, he... Yeah. Right? Yeah purges it. It's done with the Word. It's the Word that cleanses your wick, that purges your wick. Praise the Lord.